Welcome to another episode of Planet Us. Today we have a special guest with us, and uh, I'm going to go and let him introduce himself. Hello, Planet Us podcast. Oh, this is going to be so much fun. <laughs> My name is Rahul Rai. Uh, what do I do? Height, weight, everything. <laughs> uh, representation. Uh, I'm an actor from New York, went to college with this guy. Uh, currently living in LA, pursuing acting. So, are you like an established actor or <laughs> struggling? <laughs> I like calling you a struggling actor, but I feel like dude, that's the thing. Like when I say actor, I feel like I should asterisk it by saying <laughs> like either on the way up or like I used to say aspiring actor, but now it's I like developing because I'm not an aspiring actor anymore. It's like acting is the is the decision it's it's the it's the line of work i'm in and it's the commitment that i have for if you ask me now the rest of my life okay so when you talk to people and when you introduce yourself <coughs> right you introduce yourself as <coughs> Raul Rai the actor um yeah i mean like if they ask me what i do yeah, you i say, say actor. actor and what what is and the- then naturally the follow up questions are have i seen you in anything what have you been in what, have, what you, have you been in? Have you been in anything? I've done a lot of independent stuff. So independent theater, independent. <laughs> That's what they all say. <laughs> yeah, a lot of like pornos. No, um, uh, no, just a lot of independent stuff. So a lot of like independent uh, cinema or short films, working with friends, independent theater. So doing theater like off, uh, well, not off Broadway, but off, off Broadway here in New York. And then uh, doing some... I guess the equivalent of off off Broadway out in LA, but a lot of it is like procuring my own work uh, with people that I've worked with in the past. And then like, we just keep going uh, over the years, like collaborating again and again, which is an interesting part of the business, which is, I think something most people don't really understand because they probably think once you get an agent, you just kind of relax, sit back and, and you then, just magically and then, get roles. And then you just magically get roles and everybody becomes i used to think every movie that ever gets made gets seen that's true right which is which is not how what it is happens. the percentage you think i don't really know the percentage of films that actually get seen that get made and then get seen but i i'm realizing now like from that whole process not every film like even if you have big stars in a film and but it's like independently made and not backed by a studio it's not guaranteed to get uh, distribution, which then means it's actually out in theaters or it's out on some kind of a streaming service. Someone has to then pick it up uh, after it's made because they see some monetary value in it or whatever. Yeah. And then they have to distribute it so that people can see it. But none of it, no step along the way of making any sort of creative endeavor into a reality is ever guaranteed to actually happen. So you, and you realize that now. I realize that first of all, from that first film and then more and more like over the years. So I've been at it since 18. I mean, I took a break to go to college. So I didn't really pursue acting until college was over. So that was like, what, 22? So from 22 to now, 28, six years, I've been full-time pursuing it as best as I possibly can. And just over the years, you just, because you're in it, you just learn so much more about the business and how 
how sort of fragile things are and like how fragile people's egos are, yeah. how fragile the entire process is and how when you get A and B together, C can be the hardest thing to get. And then once you get C together, D is very difficult to get, but then D doesn't work out. So then A, B and C fall apart. And then you have to start back from scratch. And sometimes that happens. And so it's a real test of like, your will, it's a real exercise in one's patience. So let's backtrack for a second then, right? Mm. So this is what you realize, and you're still doing it. You're still acting and you're still, you know, yeah, trying to find gigs or getting gigs and auditioning and all the good stuff. So going back to the question, when people ask you what you do, you say you're an actor, correct? Yeah, I keep it really short. You think, and I know you from college. <laughs> I know you from college. What, eight years now? Uh, years? Eight. Well, eight, 19 so I'm, I think I met you at 19. Yeah, so, so nine years. Almost nine years. Right? So I know you for that only long time. You majored in economics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? You majored in economics. You did good in economics. Hey, really well. I graduated uh, with 3-9. Yeah. yeah. And you were, weren't – didn't you get something for being the first I was, so for the Chinese program? Yeah, yeah. We did uh, like uh, uh, I don't even remember what it was, but it was like a – it was like a almost like a study abroad affiliate program with a university in China, and uh, we had like certain courses we had to take, and then that was kind of like a sub uh, major or minor or whatever. So I think I got a four point oh GPA in that. Yeah, you got some award, right? Yeah, some honor thing. Blah 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 blah. Yeah, I don't even remember. The plaques are in my apartment. <laughs> it meant a lot to me at the time. <laughs> <laughs> it still means a lot to me. It's but like if you ask me the Specifics of it, I don't really know. So this is my thing. Yeah. If I was at a party I know, and, I, yeah, yeah. and I struck up a conversation with you about the current economic turmoil of, yeah, yeah. I don't even know, I don't even like yeah, this guy. of the world. But yeah, right? So I'm talking to you and I bet this has happened. You're talking to a situation and they're like, oh, this is really cool. You know a lot of you know insights about this. Yeah, yeah. What do you do? I'm an actor. So do you think people's, one, two questions. <laughs> do you think people's perspective changes? One. Uh, yeah. Two. Does it go negative or positive or neutral? Uh, they're very surprised. So, okay. So, like, I studied economics. Okay. So, ugh, this is so weird. Because, like, my life, I think we were having this discussion before. My life and the way that it works oh, yeah. and manifested and, like, just the decisions that I've made, I think are, if I look back on it and I give my own opinion on it, it just it, it feels very unorthodox. Like, I feel like I'm a very unorthodox person just as I am because I'm I'm an actor. I love acting. I, I actually went to Pace for the acting program. Then I dropped out because I, I – I, not that Pace doesn't have a great acting program. They do. But it just – I didn't fit into it. You know what's so funny? Yeah. We spoke to Maddie last week and um, – she said the same thing about her program, but she also she's like, it's not like Elon has a bad program. Yeah, I just didn't. It just it's a language, dude. It's like I'm realizing acting. There's no one way to learn it. It's just there's a language that certain people speak that you either are in that you're on the same wavelength with, or you're not. So you were not a fan of the style. Yeah, I guess so. Or at least if you can say that. Yeah. So I I found the sort of same wavelength with somebody outside of school. So that's where I studied. And then in school, I was like, I don't want to do this, but then you have to take liberal, liberal arts classes and all this other stuff. So then I was like, 
really into economics. And then I just figured it made sense. I just did more and more courses in economics. So I just figured I'd major in it because I enjoyed it. What I've realized, and even in economics, if you want a real, like, even my economic professors were like, wait, this is so funny because like my economics professors were like, wait, you're good at economics, but you want to be an actor. I said that. And then people are like, wait, you're an actor, but you know economics. So I'm really disappointing both sides of the fence in a way. Are you disappointing both sides or you're disappointing one side and you're impressing another side? Yeah, maybe. Or I'm, I think I'm just impressing both sides, but, but, um, but it's just like, to me, things are not really, uh, compartmentalized i think or binary in a sense yeah binary in a sense or bifurcated uh wow, they're big words. i know i've i've learned uh, <laughs> i've learned I've educated Peace. Um, but for me everything is interconnected so i have found in my own interpretation of things that have happened i have found ways in which economics is a great complement to acting and acting is a great complement to i mean the rest of the stuff that i do for you personally for me personally, which and is great. So, you answering my question is you disappoint both sides. No, I mean I meant that as a joke, but it didn't clear. Clearly, I have to work on my sense of humor. Jesus, no, no, I get. But it. I but get it. so so if I if I tell people that I'm an actor, do people judge you differently? Uh, no, I don't think so. I mean, I think most people are like actually in, in intrigued by it because it's different from what most of them are used to hearing from people that they interact with. So I asked this question again. Yeah. And I asked this to other people too. So if you're on a, and a party? hinge date. Oh, a hinge date, yeah. A bumble date. Hinge is new. I didn't know hinge is new. Hinge I guess is it's new. not new anymore, but yeah. Hinge is the Coffee new. meets bagel. Yeah. We can talk about we'll that. We'll get it. I'm on that. that. <laughs> yeah, I, a I, I, master's I, in I, uh, you did do your thesis on online dating. Oh yeah, that's true. See, I remember more about you. That's than you so right. funny. We'll get into it. But so if you're on a hinge profile, hinge profile, hinge date, whatever, yeah. and um, you obviously get swipes right and left, right? Hopefully, no, yeah. Well, well, more left than right. I think but, it's more built for women to get swipes than it is for men to get swipes. Or men are swiping. But I'm through. on a hinge date. <laughs> yeah, you're in. Hinge, you're in a hinge date. Yeah, and you say actor. Yeah, yeah. Do you think it's a positive thing or a negative thing? Um, I also think you match with actors because you're <laughs> no, no. Well, LA is a different city altogether for sure. I think I, I've never gotten um, any ne- what I perceive as negative feedback, but if I do, it doesn't bother me because, again, to me, it's like I'm doing something I care about. I'm doing something that. I've chosen – I think when you can take ownership of what you're doing, there's not much that negative feedback can really do to you. There's always negative feedback. There's always negative feedback. But if you have real ownership and you have an, a clear understanding of why you're doing what you're doing, whether you can verbally like express it in the moment or not, but you just inside know why you're doing it, whatever negative feedback people give you, it's like, all right, well, whatever. doesn't matter. True. So I think it ultimately comes down, like if you're on a date, how much ownership do you have over the shit that you do such that when you express it to this person that you're on a date with, 
it doesn't really matter. It's like in a way they're going to be impressed. I think people are impressed by ownership. They're impressed by that confidence, which comes from ownership. Yeah. So you can literally sell candles, but if you sell candles because you love candles and you 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 have full ownership over the idea and the business and the this and that, people will be impressed by it because they feel that energy. I think that's my personal belief. No, that's true. I mean, it's a lot. Like my job is slightly different. I mean, it's a lot different. But yeah. to me, I have to explain to people what I do, right? And because if I say <clears> off the bat, like I say I work in HR, they have a completely different notion of who I am. And yeah. then I get in the crux of it, which is more of a financial part of HR. Yeah. It goes into a whole nother realm. So now they're thinking they have a different perspective or expectation of what's going to come out of my mouth. And God only knows what comes out of my mouth. Yeah. I think, but for you, yeah. it's more different because it's a very yeah well recognized profession it's a public profession exactly so when people say actor now the stemming question is and i think this is important because people who are listening or people i've spoken to is they feel this need to fill in the shoes of what they're doing right Mm. again people tell me i'm not a stereotype of my job because i'm loud i'm outspoken i'm yes not Dude, my understanding of, of HR is Toby Flenderson from The Office. See? <laughs> I, this is the worst thing. I, it happens every time. And that's people like, wait a minute, you do this? And like, there is a financial part of HR. It's not just firing and hiring. And there's a social aspect. Yeah. Right? And But my job, sometimes I feel like the industry or not. I, I, been, I went to, I should probably know that. I went to a conference recently. Yeah. I found maybe one person that I could see eye to eye, eye, to eye with, like, in terms of just how I operate. Within HR, within within my compensation field, yeah, there you go. So I think this is a thing that people don't do. You feel the need? I mean, you. I feel like you fit that. See again, I'm stereotyping, but you That's fit fine. that mold, mold of that you could be, you know, confident, or you could be, uh, you could take stage, or you could stand the center stage, be the center of attention. Do you sometimes feel that you need to push yourself to fill that role, or you uh, automatically fill that role? I can f- so. The only time I really want attention is when I'm working on stage or in front of the camera. Yeah, otherwise you just the only that's the only time when I'm not. I'm actually of you would think I'm like it's people. If people see me in a certain setting and I'm very quiet, they'd be very surprised that I'm an actor. I remember one time I was in India and I was at a house party and I was extremely quiet at that house party because I was very tired. I was just not social. I wasn't drinking. I wasn't loud and whatever. And I and people would ask me, like, what do you do? I was like, I'm an actor. They're, they would be like, it's you not gonna don't work. seem like it's an actor. It's not going to work. You don't seem like an actor. So they <laughs> have a certain idea of what an actor is. You're not singing or dancing. In the exactly. Corner. But to me, the, atten- the the only time I want attention in my life is if is when I'm working. When I'm not working, I'm all right not being in the center of the conversation. In fact, my M.O., is more to listen to people and to observe people than it is to be the one that's uh, uh, sort of running the, cat- the running the conversation. I like to listen. I like to ask questions and listen and observe people than I would rather answer. Unless you get me on the topic that I really enjoy talking about, whatever it is. But So how do you juggle that? Yeah, it's tough because... Do you have to like switch on and off? And do It's you tough a- because... Like some people, <laughs> some people don't think I talk enough. Some people think talk too much. I talk too much or that some people think I'm very extroverted. 
Some people think I'm actually very introverted. I think over the years I've learned to be more extroverted or be more because it's an important skill. Can you learn that? I think so. I think I think I have a personal belief that most things are a skill to be learned rather than a talent that you either have or you don't. I think talent has a part to play, but I think you can learn the skill uh, to a certain point so that you can use it in your... So like if you're not naturally a speaker, you can learn the science of public speaking and then get decent enough so that you can use leverage that skill and add it to your repertoire so that you can hopefully better yourself in your whatever your your relationships your your profession blah 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 some people may have a natural proclivity I was just towards about it. to say some people probably are so better. for them it's just the methodology or the science of it the technique of it may not be as important for them to go through because they just naturally can do it it comes to them easy. Although art and there's an art and science to everything, so you know even people who have a natural ability, talent, they need to understand uh, technique. They need to understand science. People who are too scientific need to understand art. People who are too artistic need to understand science. We need to combine the two together, and the two both exist. I think within every facet of uh, human interaction, human creation, whatever. So like whether it's HR, there's art in HR. 100%. There's a science in HR. Especially for comp, we call it, it's half half art, half science. Exactly. There's an art in acting. There's a science in acting. There's an art in medicine. There's a science in medicine. There's an art in business. There's a science in business. Our jobs, I think, if we want to really excel in our professions, it's to combine the two forces together. What's the best way to do it? Oh, man. I don't... uh, Again, I think it's kind of like what I was saying before, how I don't think things are binary or bifurcated. So how you do one thing is probably more or less how you do everything. That's something that I learned from my my martial arts instructor. I studied Jeet Kune Do, which is a martial arts that was created by Bruce Lee. And Bruce Lee was all about tying art and science together. And he tied everything back to fighting. So he said, the first time you get into a fight, you're purely instinctual. You're fighting purely to survive because you're in a complete unknown environment and someone's attacking you. You're not worried about what everybody else is thinking. You're not worried about the commentary. So to you, in the throes of battle, a punch is a punch and a kick is a kick. The second step is to learn the science of fighting. So now the punch is no longer a punch. A punch is a series of motions that you have to get correct in order to efficiently throw the punch. So how you move your waist, waist, how you twist your body, how you close the fist at the moment of impact, and then how you recoil and and, and conditioning and all this stuff. So now when you're in a fight, you're completely self-conscious. So it's learning to better your instincts. Yes, but you need to know the science. To learn, to better the art part that you can bring. So the third step is to come back to the first step, which is purely instinctual. But what you're throwing is technically refined. Okay. But you're instinctually throwing it, so you're not worried about what it looks like. 
but the way your body is, it's, it's kind of like how an athlete can go into the zone. Yeah. It's the same thing, but they have to be so te- Think of how many shots Kobe has to take a day. He takes a thousand shots a day. He's technically refined. He's working out. So that in the moment, in the throes of battle in the game, he can instinctually just fire. Now, whether he, that is instinct, yeah, exactly. So that that's kind of how I see things. Now, how you learn the art and how you learn the science, I think there's specifics to the given profession that you're in. So I'm an actor, so I must understand literally my entire body. I must learn how to walk. I must learn how to consciously walk so that I can unconsciously walk. I see what you mean. I need to know how to consciously use my voice so that eventually I can unconsciously use my voice. It's a, it's a practice, like to learn the science, to allow the science to become pure instinct takes a lot of practice, a lot of repetition, and it's a process that never ends. And it's not, again, it's not a bifurcated thing. It's not like, now I know the science, now I know the art, and now I will combine them. There are bad days where you are going to be completely in your head. As an actor, doing it for six years, I there are days where I'm completely in the zone. I don't have to think about it. The whole universe makes sense to me in a split second. Then I come back, do the same scene the week after, I don't know what I'm doing. But I have to fake it because I have a job to do. Yeah. So it's a weird process that, it, again, it's not. So you have to act it. Again, it's not. Yeah, again, exactly. Sometimes I'm really acting <laughs> because I have a job to do. Like you, I have to yeah. I have a job. So I have to act. I have to fake crying. I have to fake yelling. Inside, I'm dead, <laughs> it feels. But on the outside, hopefully, if you're technically refined enough, the audience won't be able to tell. But this is stuff that it's it's very hard to it's 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 hard to be okay with it sometimes. Like as an artist, you want to feel it all the time. But the weirdest thing is like even when I'm feeling it, they may not. When I'm not feeling, they may. Yeah, and you get the best the weird be- thing. You get the best performance, and no one resonates. Like they're like, yes. this is awful. And you may feel like you give the worst, and like everybody gives you a standing ovation. So I just thought about something. Let me try this. And you're a big reader, right? Mm. I know you're a big reader. Not yeah. So based on self-improvement and self, we're going to drop books throughout this episode. Yeah. So based on self-improvement and, you know, just what we talked about, honing your abilities to kind of sharpen your instincts, what book would you recommend people should read? Mm, One book. I think one book. Oh, uh, I think Extreme Ownership by Jocko Willink and Leif Babin is a very, very uh, important book for people to read. It's about leadership. And uh, it's about these guys, these two guys are Navy SEALs that took lessons that they learned from the SEAL program. And now they apply it Extreme Ownership. Extreme Ownership. Yes. Great book. It's, it's huge in the business community, but it's really about ownership. And everybody, everybody's the, the captain of their own ship. Everybody's the king of their own kingdom. So when you're a leader, it's the toughest position to be in because everything falls back on you. But if you really look at your life, you are the leader of your life. You're the captain of the ship. So everything, in a way, is your fault. Now, you can't control the environment, 
and you can't control everything that happens to you. But you do get to control how you look at it. You do get to control your perspective on it. You do get to control um, more or less how you spend the minutes of your day. You get to control who you hang out with. There are things in your control that you have to take full control of. And you have to take full ownership and responsibility of. And I think in terms of developing the right mindset to tackle whatever profession you're in or whatever obstacles in your way, whether it's in your profession, your romantic life, your personal life, with your friends, with your family, we have to put ourselves in that leadership position, which is a, which is a hard thing to do because now we have to take full responsibility. But through responsibility, that's how you get power. If you don't take full responsibility, you are giving up your power. If you're saying it's some it's up to somebody else for you to get a for you to get a a break or for you to get a raise, then you're giving that power to them. If you say it's up to me, now you are in power. But because you are in power, you have to take full responsibility. You have to do the work now because you you're again, in power. You, yeah, you 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 kind of volunteer not volunteered, but you took ownership. Yes, this is your once project. you own something, it's you, all on you. you it's all on you. All the success and all the yes shit that comes with it. And it's a hard it that's a hard position to be in because we don't want to take blame. Nobody wants. To no, take it's hard to take blame. It's hard to, but that's what great leaders do. Great leaders really take blame because everything falls on them. So Extreme Ownership. Extreme Ownership is a great book. By? By Jocko Willink and Leif Babin. Okay. So, guys, that's the first book. We'll go through a couple more books throughout this episode. Yeah. Um, let's shift gears. So this is – you gave a very brief explanation. No, I'm kidding. You give a long explanation of what you do, how you do it, your process – yeah, in a way, how you come out of it, how you go into it, which you know everyone deals with. I think, irrespective of what they do, yeah, and irrespective if they're unemployed, you know, in yeah. personal lives they go in. You have your phases where you're performing at peak performance, and then you have your phases where you drop off. Yep. And there's ways to come out of it. There's yep. ways to. You're not always going to win. You're mm-hmm. not always going to be at peak performance. But when you're not at peak performance, how do you prepare and how do you manage those situations and Exactly. You gave a great, you gave great example. So thank you for that. So let's shift gears and talk a little more personal in the sense. Okay, so you went to college, great college experience, right? Yeah. That's oh, great. dude, that's when I came alive. <laughs> so great college experience. You went to school for <laughs> economics, decided to do acting. Um, you've been doing it for six years now. You did it in New York. You had some uh, independent movies. <laughs> One's on Amazon right now when Harry tries to marry. There's other independent projects you've done. I've seen you a couple of plays. You've done more plays than that, but I've seen you a couple. You moved to LA. Yeah. You're operating there now. So your your life is it's going. Yeah. Right. How or let me ask some more abruptly. Do you have a major final end goal in mind? Yes or no? End goal. A and end goal. Yeah, I'll you say do. yeah. Do you have tiny goals throughout that help you get to that end goal? Yeah, but that yeah, yes. But that's also something that I have to learn 
to do. That's not my natural MO per se. So are you more of a, I have this one end game and I'm going to get to that. Yeah. What is that called? Uh, oh, ends to means. Yeah. Means to end. Yeah. Ends to means. I'm, I would say that I visualize a lot. So I spend a lot of time uh, by myself sitting in a chair, literally, and just sitting in silence and just thinking about talking to yourself, talking to myself. I journal and meditate. So I think all these things build self-awareness and that self-awareness helps me understand what it is that I want to do through the profession that either chose me or I chose through this profession that I am for whatever reason, completely obsessed about. So for me, the end goal um, is to be, if I can put it, it's to be a pure force of nature within an industry uh, that is extremely new to not only me, but my whole family and to be a, a beacon of possibility for future generations of not only like Indians, but people of all, of all creeds, all kinds. It's kind of like what Muhammad Ali has done. It's what Bruce Lee has done, Steve Jobs, Einstein, Marlon Brando. These people transcend their professions because they're so original in how they execute and, 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 and developing themselves. And they were so excellent at the thing that they did. But that's the end goal is to be that beacon of possibility. You want to be a pioneer in your industry. Yeah. Right? And for my community, I think I think the South Asian community, uh, you know, acting is obviously not like the first profession your parents are going to push you No way. You're kidding. Uh, although, ironically, <laughs> my, my parents encouraged me to do it. So my parents, in their own way, for their generation, are pioneers. are pioneers. So I think I have some of that in my blood. Okay. Book two. <clears throat> if someone wants to read about a pioneer in their industry and how they got there and the struggles and the trials and tribulations, how, what book would you recommend? Uh, I would recommend probably the Steve Jobs biography by Walter Isaacson. I read that one. I love that book. I mean, you, I'm a big fan of Steve Jobs. I also like Muhammad Ali's biography. Yeah. I think those were two solid books. I would read uh, biographies. If you want to like... What is the Bruce Lee book you tell me? Bruce about? Lee is great. I think people have a, a very... Uh, they have a very limited understanding of Bruce Lee because they watch, they see him do martial arts. So they think he's just yeah. a martial artist. He's just a fighter. He's a great philosopher. So if you read his like letters, his personal letters, his personal philosophy, you'll, you can find books online on Amazon. Like I think Letters of the Dragon. So Letters of the Dragon, biography of Steve Jobs by Walter Isaacson. Walter Isaacson. Any biography about people like – You'll realize everybody's kind of going through the same thing. Isn't that crazy? Like you can actually draw parallels and, and in different at, spectrums and, yeah, and worlds and ethnicities. And, and at any level of their uh, journey, like Muhammad Ali, what did he lose the belt? He got banned from boxing. He threw his Olympic medals in the lake. After becoming a bona fide star, he got banned from boxing for going against Vietnam. And then, what, three, four, five years later, he comes back, wins the heavyweight title again. Like, you want to, you know, Steve Jobs gets thrown out of his own company that he started. Comes back. Yeah. 
in the in the throes of him being thrown out, he creates Pixar. And then he builds another billion-dollar company. And then he builds Next, gets bought back by uh, Apple. Apple's on the verge of collapse. He he restructures the business, redoes everything, launches iMac, iPod, iThis, iThat, makes it one of the most successful businesses of all time. So biographies are the way to go. I think so. I think if you need some source of uh, inspiration or uh, some perspective on the fact that on how you and this so-called famous person, successful person are actually in the same boat. (laughs) It's funny because I talked about, I'm so good. I talked about an episode where I talk about how you need to kind of invest in yourself and kind of identify your strengths and weaknesses because People always get carried away being like, okay, Mark Zuckerberg did this, so I should do this. Don't just emulate the actions. Right. Learn from the actions and see how it kind of fits in your own little yeah. puzzle. That's know? why self-awareness, what I was talking about before, self-awareness is so key. You need to know, obviously, what you're good at, what you're not good at. You need to know how you fit into the puzzle, what skills that you may need to acquire in order to then upgrade your life by 10 times, whatever it is. Self-awareness is key. I think self if you can develop practices for self-awareness, you'll do yourself a huge favor. And I think a great practice that I use to build self-awareness is something known as morning pages. So if you want to drop another book, The Artist's Way by Julia Cameron. The Artist's Way by Julia Cameron. I hope I got the name right. Oh. But it's the artist's way. How are you going to get the name right and let me say the name? You let me say the whole name. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, yeah I'm like 99.9% sure. Uh, it's all about uh, – so morning – Hold pay- on, hold on. Let me ask my uh, researcher to research it a little bit. Yeah, keep going. <laughs> uh, the artist's way is about um, – one of the practices, yeah? yeah one right. of the practices is um, – is morning pages, which is every morning as soon as the first thing you do when you get up is you write three pages in a journal. So that's my journal over there, which you can't see, but so but, people gotta wake up earlier than they normally do. Yeah, I mean you gotta make time for it if if you gotta you know if you have to wake up early, that's that's what you gotta do. But there's something about writing, stream of conscience, no editing while you're writing, no double thinking, no whatever. So you don't scratch off words, you, you just don't make, scratch up, make just, errors. Make if you if you literally repeat the same sentence for a page, do that. Like in the beginning, it's gonna you're gonna feel self conscious. That's just how it is. Do you end up writing your dreams? Sometimes I, I write my dreams. I write my whatever. So if I read that journal on that table, that'd be some disturbing shit on there. Well, it's very personal, so <laughs> I would uh, I would hope you wouldn't you would respect me that much not to read it. <laughs> Part two, Raul Rice journal. Uh, we'll have explosive guys, but that's worry. like. Like now I understand why people go to therapy because they need a place. I think everybody needs therapy. They need a place to go where there's they're not getting advice. They're just having someone listen to them and their problems. I really do believe that's a good – actually, that's yeah. a really good thing you said. And I spoke to someone about this earlier too. I think everybody should have at least a form of therapy. Yes. The amount of sure. stuff an individual right now in this current situation, current world goes through – yeah, the different kinds of people they meet, the different upbringing they've had, the yep. the things that they need to get off their chest. I think everyone should go to therapy, and luckily, I think we're in New York, you're in LA, whatever it is, and we're in 
places in the world that don't look at those things negatively anymore. Yes. But a majority of the people for sure look at it negatively. Uh, yeah, I mean if I I think if I told my family that I was going to therapy, they might not have a <laughs> you know what I mean? a positive like, reaction. Yeah, but even I didn't for a while like until you did it right until, until, you actually... I, until i understood why like people need a like sometimes when people talk to you or to me or to anybody like sometimes people don't need your advice they're not coming to you like it seems <laughs> like they're coming to you for advice they're not just, just they need with it. they need an open set of ears and just another person to listen to their to their problems they need someone to vent to they need someone to just listen and just nod their head and be like, yeah, I got you. I get it. It's all they need. But we like, you know, maybe it's an ego thing or maybe it's an insecurity on, on the listener's right. part where they feel like, oh, I actually, I, I need to give advice because I need to say something. You need to fill the noise. Yeah. They're coming to me with this thing. I Maybe I, I need to say something. You need to show some. Uh, that's a good credit. advice. That's a really good. But advice. sometimes people just need you to listen to them, which is why if you're a really good communicator, listening is is like the greatest skill. That listening and observing is a very important skill in terms of high level communication. I'll tell you this right now. This is also applicable, dude, to corporate, but it's also applicable. At the highest level of corporate. Yes. I have sat. Like listening, in, right? Yeah. I've yeah. been in places. I've been with people who have reached the pinnacle of their yes. job. Yes. And I find them sometimes just trying to. And it's 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 commendable. And it's sometimes good that they're trying to teach. Yes. Because they're in a position where they can. You know, they've learned. They've been. They've been successful. They've fallen down. And they've come to a point in their lives where they're successful and they can help people, but they fail to understand this little tiny concept that irrespective of who you are, sometimes you have to just listen. Yes. And when you listen, yep. a lot of times you might not even have to talk because if you actually listen to what they were saying, you're saying the same thing. Yep. How many times have you been in the room and after a heated argument, yep. a third person was like, guys, I think you guys are saying the same thing. Yep. And I feel like it's it's so Dude, applicable not only for your personal life but also in corporate. That's how I was saying like nothing is bifurcated. You just said listening is key in HR, in corporate world. In any Listening field. is key in acting. So this is what I'm saying. Like there's no – at some level, there's no real difference in a way between what I do and what anybody else is doing anybody else anybody else does it, it there's certain qualities and certain principles that if you just marry yourself to they apply to almost every other thing that we do in our lives what i do in acting is actually very similar to what you do in hr what you do in hr is going to be very similar to what people do in medicine there's certain parallels listening is one of them being an effective communicator is another one. marketing yourself selling whatever it, it there's certain things that just go against the sort of this sort of bifurcation that for some reason we think exists but it doesn't so everyone needs therapy <laughs> that's what i got from this no i'm kidding but i get your point 
I really do. And it's not as bifurcated as we think. The world is not as black as white as we think. So this is a good segue actually now that I think of it. But the world is not black and white as it seems. There's everything's very connected, mixed. It's interconnected. Right? And I think that stems also from the fact that you were uh like your 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 dad's a doctor. Yeah, yeah, correct. And so you came from a family that was and your sister's a doctor. Yeah. Right? And uh, so you came from a family that's uh, been in medicine. Mm-hmm. You see, you have cousins. And I have cousins, yeah. Cousins, exactly. you have family members that are doctors. And you grew up and uh, you started doing economics in college. Yeah. And this is a story we talked about actually last night or the night before that you said you thought you were going to be a dentist in high yeah, school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? So yeah. that's what you were surrounded by, but you ended up learning or educating yourself in economics, formally mm-hmm. educating yourself in economics. Mm. And then you've pursued acting. Yeah. And now I bring this up because you're now, and you can explain this to everybody, on a different path. You're still acting, mm-hmm. but you're focusing on something completely different now. Yeah. With not, yes. The layman investor. Yeah. So the layman investor is a, a social media page on, on uh, Instagram that I created because I'm very passionate about people uh, becoming more financially literate. So financial literacy is basically about people understanding uh, money in the grand scheme, in the macro scheme of how the money system works just in general in, in, in our economy, like the banking system and so on and so forth, to the micro, to, the, to you understanding how to invest your money how to make money work for you and to manage your own money so that you don't hire other people and pay them exorbitant fees to manage your money and not fulfill promises that you know they they make to you in order to sell to you in order to take your money again it, it kind of goes back to what i was saying before with that book extreme ownership it's ownership take ownership of your money take ownership of 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 the mini financial system that you are and become financially literate so that you can, you can, uh, you can grow your assets. Uh, I think personally, like people should be able to retire if they do it. I don't know if they do it right. If they are aggressive enough and if they're smart enough, be careful. What age you say, man? No, they should be able to reti- I think people should be able to retire by 50. Well, that's reasonable. I no, think so. And, what is the and, age right now for retirement? Well, I, I think the average age is like 65, right? That's when you're you can cash out your 401k and yeah, you yeah, can yeah. like get social security. I think a everybody again if they become financially literate should be able to retire themselves so that they don't have to uh, rely on the government and social security. And they should be able to retire earlier if they choose to uh, than the federal requirement or the federal law, like 65. They should be able to retire earlier. Now, when you when I mean retiring, that means I mean you don't have to work your day job in order to fund your lifestyle. So you have money working for your you. Your money is working for you through assets that you've built, whether it's in the stock market, whether it's in real estate, whether it's in this or that, the assets are paying you back enough money 
to maintain your lifestyle such that you don't have to work your day job if you don't want to. You don't have to work your day job to fund your lifestyle. So if you have a millionaire lifestyle, your assets are paying you a millionaire lifestyle. So now you can quit your millionaire job. Paying job. Paying yeah. job. That So now we get into the idea of how are we educated? How are we nurtured? This is why this in our education system, we don't learn about money. We don't learn about investing. You don't learn about taxes. You don't learn about debt. You don't learn about credit cards. It's really. You know what's funny though? You learn about how to file taxes for a company if you were to be a tax accountant. Yes. But you, you don't, don't learn yeah. how to yeah. file. In, there's no course. Nope. Or maybe I didn't take it. But I yeah. did not see a course that said filing income tax 101. Nope. Filing property tax 101. Or being you, smart with debt. Yeah, like how to make how to pay off your loans adequately 101. But you had corporate tax 101. Yep. You had corporate accounting 101. Yep. You had different versions of corporate our, financial services. Our yeah, our education system is built to I think built to create people to work for other people's dreams. See, but I agree with that. I do. My only thing is I grew up in an Indian education system. Okay. Right. And then I went to college in, in an American education system. Mm-hmm. I think it's the same thing. So when you say our, do you mean American or do you mean our oh, is the world? Well, yeah. My perspective is American because I grew up in the American. Yeah. So I don't, I can't speak about the Indian. One yeah. I didn't grow up in Indian education system, to give you a short snippet, is quote unquote memorization. Yeah. If you can memorize 40 pages worth of information and just spew it out, yeah. you're, you're, you're succeeding. You're quote unquote, you're succeeding. Yep. I would have confrontations with my high school teachers just because I did not agree with how they wanted to throw things on the table. Yeah. And I know my group of friends from India, they have the same I think the reason we connected was we had a similar thinking. We, yeah. You met a couple of them, and yeah, yeah, yeah. we'd argue for the most random things. And people would be like, "Oh, you're you just want to argue for the sake of arguing." No, I wanted to argue, and I, my dad always told me this. Yeah, if you think you're right and you have actual facts to back it up, you run with it, mm-hmm. right? And that to me is was prevalent in India. And I kid you not, when I was coming here, yeah, the notion I had, yeah, was that it's going to change. Oh. That America is the answer to all. And it right, did. like we're more open to discussion. It did. That way. It did. I'm not going to lie. Some degree. It, some degree did. But again, at the end of the day, like you said, the content that I was discussing at the end of the day wasn't that fascinating. The education system is outdated. All over. Yep. The world. Uh, yeah, I guess. Uh, apparently. Well, again, we shouldn't say the world. Uh, or at least in India. <laughs> I think at least <laughs> in America. I'm going to get so much flack for this. <laughs> I already get flack for it, but... No, it, it really is. What I do you, it, like, think... Okay, this is going to be controversial. Okay, before say. you go into that, okay. let me ask you this question. Yeah. Why did you even get into this? And it's just backtracking. Or you can complete, yeah, no, no, complete it, your thought so, about... No, okay. I think the first in, uh, the first memory I have is of my ma- of my sister driving me to Bank of America to open up a CD account, a certificate of deposit account. She was very much into this, into like maximizing money and blah, blah, blah. 
then after college, I just add all this, a little bit of money sitting around in my savings account and wasn't doing anything. So I thought, okay, let me invest. For some reason, I've always admired people who can take $1 and through some smart means, investing or whatever, they can turn it into $2. You always say that, right? You keep, I feel like you repeatedly say you don't need a lot of money to invest. You don't. You don't. Especially now because you have apps and stuff like that. So, and then, and then like when you get into, it's like when you get into Game of Thrones, you want other people to get into Game of Thrones. Because it's so good. Because it's so good until the season finale. But (laughs) uh, (laughs) I like the season finale. But, um, but like, yeah, when you're passionate about something, you want other people to be as passionate as you are about it because you think it's important. So I would have conversations with friends and, and family and like talk about investing and talk about like whatever I'm learning. And I just was having kind of the same conversation just across different people. And I thought, let me centralize all of this into a blog or a, or a social media platform, which is why I started the layman investor uh, uh, Instagram page uh, this year really. And then just growing it and talking about, and as I'm learning, like I'm not an expert, but as I'm learning, I am sharing. And like me and you were both tutors in, uh, in college. So I know. what happens when you tutor is you're not really teaching your own, uh, original thought. You're teaching stuff you have learned, but you're just teaching other people that may not get it as well as you do. Yeah. So when you tutor people, your foundation in that subject becomes much stronger. Like I was tutoring people in, in micro and macroeconomics 101. My, my understanding of macro and Same, micro 101 for like was fucking amazing. <laughs> Sorry for the language. But it was, it was so strong that when I started going into the higher level intermediate stuff, it was a snap. It was so easy because all of that is built on the foundation. Yeah. So to me, layman investor is not me giving out new information or my own original information. Some of it is, but most of it, I'm like a tutor. And you're redirecting people to the right source. Yes. And as I am learning through my, and, and experiencing things through my own life and whatever, I am sharing that. So my foundation in investing at least the basics is stronger than it was before I started it. Okay. Which is a, which is, which will only help me in the future, which is how, again, things are interconnected. So as an actor, you need to learn business. So for me, I I think this layman investor stuff is only going to help my, again, everything funnels back to acting to me, but so, so it's just going to help me, manage my own money because a lot of like if you look at a lot of athletes a lot of athletes sign million million dollar contracts they go broke because they have no finance they have no financial literacy dude they don't know how to they blow their money they don't know how to save they don't know how to invest now that is as true for a million dollar basketball player i think as it is for a middle class corporate working person all right Financial Literacy 101, what book would you recommend? I think uh, 101, it's a few books, but if I had to choose one, 
I would say the little book of common sense investing. Is that the little red book? The little red book by Jack Bogle, who is uh, who founded a company known as Vanguard, which is a, uh, uh, I guess a, an investing firm, yeah. uh, an asset managing uh, management firm. He's the one who created index funds, and index funds are probably the like best. Oh my God! Uh, here we go about are, index funds. Are probably the best uh, vehicle for the layman, the main street investor, the layman investor, to uh, to use in order to understand the stock market. It's probably your best place to go to to understand how the stock market works and how unpredictable it is, and yet how you can still take advantage of it if you're willing to invest for the long term as opposed to be a day trader, which is like what Wolf of Wall Street guys do. Oh, so it's, a, it's less aggressive. It's less aggressive. It's, it's more passive. Yes. just sits there. Exactly. So and you then, could carry on with your own life while yes. the money starts working. It's like, let me put it to you this way. If you were to make a safe, reliable, long-term investment, what would you invest in? Would you invest in the entire sport of basketball or would you invest in trying to find the next Michael Jordan? That's so true. It's kind of a com- it's a common sense thing. This is the whole thing about investing and even Warren Buffett says it. You don't need to have a genius IQ. You need to have an average, at least an average IQ. And patience. And patience and discipline and self-awareness. Oh, just all that. In order, <laughs> yeah, exactly, in, in order to be a successful investor. And again, I think if you do it smartly enough and aggressively enough, um, retire by like, you know, much and retire yourself by like, I don't know, 50. Some people do it at 40, 45, whatever. And again, it's it's all about managing your own money, having full ownership over your finances, from your banking to your investing to your spending to budgeting, everything. I, lo- I love the analogy you gave. So for investing or to look at investing in terms of if you would you rather invest in the sport of basketball, which exactly. as a whole you know is going to last for the next 100 years. Exactly. Or you invest all your money in trying to find the next – Michael Jordan, next exactly. LeBron James, but the probability of you missing there, so yeah, when you hit it, success is exactly. high, but the probability of you missing. Exactly. So now if you invest in basketball, you will learn about basketball. True. Your, your basketball IQ will go up so that you will have a better chance and a better methodology to use in order to find the next LeBron. Yeah. But as you're finding the next LeBron – Keep investing in basketball because if the next LeBron is to exist, what needs to exist before? It's like if you were basketball. To, if you were to invest in Zion Williamson, he's on the bench. Exactly. You knew he was going to be the next LeBron, but but it's it, it it's an interesting thing. So this is what your Instagram account does. This is what the, the layman does. investor. Yeah, it, and it's also again we were talking about mindset. Mindset is very key in terms of investing because it's an emotional game. Yeah, your emotions can get the best of you, and you might make dumb moves. But I talk a lot about that. I I, I try to share stuff that's hopefully entertaining, hopefully educational. Kind of mix the two together because even when we were tutoring, you have to 
Oh, you have to. You have yeah. to. You have to. Again, like the best teachers that I've ever had have always had a sense of humor. Yeah. The best teachers I've ever had have always been a little quirky and a little outside the box, a little weird, but they're, they grab your attention. Yeah. So that's what I hope to instill in the layman investor and keep growing the account and keep growing. Hopefully the influence that I have on people to manage their money and take full ownership of their mini financial systems that they are. This is great. So so this is confusing, right? I'm an actor. That was just, I was about to give a little, <laughs> I, like, it took a pause because I'm about to give a little I'm summary. I'm an actor, it, it's a, I did a, economics, now invest. But ironically, dude, I studied economics, learned nothing about investing. That is crazy, no? There but then, but yeah. someone out there is going to tell me, no, economics, yeah, it has to be financial literacy. You have to take finance courses to learn investing, whatever it is. Dude, we know people that did finance. I don't think they know about yeah. investing, though. Yes, yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, like, I know. I know what you mean. And I don't know. I that's the thing. I don't know if the education system is built to help. I, the, I guarantee you, people are right finance. now disagreeing with you because I people are taking finance. People have taken any. People have taken any college course right now, unless you've taken underwater basket weaving. Mm. It's not that realistic. Underwater basketing, however, you actually have to perform the act of underwater basketing right, right. multiple times to get a degree. Right. I never had – I got a degree. I got a – So in finance, you don't have to practice the, that. I got my um, right, undergrad right. in HR management. I got my MBA in HR management and compensa- I concentrated in compensation. No time it. I had to actually sit and do an employee relations activity. Yeah, 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 I did yeah. projects. <clears throat> That's very true. Underwater that's basket the thing about, weaving. That's the thing about education is like I'm, I'm beginning to realize that I don't know if education. It's knowledge. That's what it's, you it, Yeah. It, it's like it can't prepare you for everything the real world has to offer because the real world is so farly, highly complicated beyond our own comprehension that it can't be encompassed in the bubble and it's ever changing and it's ever changing and evolving. Okay. So we're going to, we're going to, we're coming towards the end of our episode. So you're an actor. No, like, I mean, yes, you are. Sorry. Yeah. I didn't mean to say it like that, but no, I want to start from the start. You're, you, you were an, you were an actor. Yeah. So you were an actor. Well, you were a dancer. Then you became an actor who did economics, who went back to acting who's still doing acting, but now has a dedicated Instagram or social media presence for financial literacy. Yes. You're a great example, dude, to be honest, about how you can actually diversify, and no pun intended, your bonds and your yes. stock and your, yes. your your shares that you have yourself and put yes. it in baskets. And if you put enough time and effort, yes, which is hard, sometimes you fall off certain things, but yep, you'll come back sure. and circle it back, right? For sure, for sure. Okay. Rapid questions. Ready? Yeah. Dancing or acting? Acting. Financial literacy or economics? Financial literacy. Tequila or rum? Tequila. Tequila or whiskey? Tequila. Tequila or beer? Tequila. Tequila or water? Ooh, right now, tequila. (laughs) (laughs) All right. If you had a chance, Uh not if you had a chance, you have a chance right now. I'm giving you 10 seconds. Uh What would you name this episode? You are enough. Damn, you're a pimp. <laughs> you are a pimp. 
<laughs> Dude, that was literally, I remember you, I remember li- uh, uh, hearing other episodes and that's the last question you have. <laughs> Sorry, buddy. You know what's crazy? The last people who have asked have prepared for it and when I asked them, yeah, they don't remember. They don't, not that they don't remember. It changes. It changes. Yeah, And course. I think, so you are enough? That's hands down the greatest advice I've ever heard and been given by anybody. You are enough to get done what you want to get done. You are enough to 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 do what you want to do that you see in your mind's eye. That is the greatest single piece of advice ever. It's like just do it by Nike. It's the greatest tagline I think ever. Cuz ultimately that's what you got to do. Just do it. Ultimately that's what you have to remember is that you are enough. You don't have to be Beyonce you don't have to be Einstein. You don't have to be Warren Buffett to become successful, to do whatever it is. You want to build a business? You are enough to do it. You want to go chase your dream of being an actor? You are enough. You are enough is the greatest piece of advice I've ever been given. And it's if you were holding all this in for the whole episode to end, so you could tell me this. Dude, it's literally <laughs> the greatest. It's the greatest you are enough. Three words. Wait, you <laughs> are enough. It's the greatest. <laughs> I had to literally count that out like, you are enough. Yeah, it's the, literally the best three words to remind yourself of on a daily basis before you start your day. You are enough. And then go get it. All right. Thank you so much for being on this episode, Raul. Cheers. Um, you guys obviously can listen to it on Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. Um, again, thank you so much for being on the episode, Raul. Yep. And uh, hope you guys have a great week ahead.